0: hi guys i'm joe croft you are listening to the puppy coach podcast join me as i share my top tips thoughts and experiences from my career as a vet nurse and canine behavior specialist helping owners form a strong safe relationship with their dog Thanks, everybody, for joining me today. Um, I'd really like to welcome Anna Webb. Anna, has, since 2010, has hosted the Barking Hour on BBC Radio London, which is the only radio show dedicated to dogs in Europe and one of the station's most popular slots. This spawned her co-authored book, Barking Blondes, which she wrote alongside fellow broadcaster Joe Good. And Anna also holds a human psychology degree and has qualifications from the College of Integrative Veterinary Studies, where she developed an interest in natural holistic healthcare, subsequently using this to deliver dog training and behaviour specialist advice. She now regularly contributes to TV and radio nationally, including ITV1's Titchmarsh Show, Channel 5's Gabby Logan Show, and Sky1's Documentary, a different breed. She also writes various columns, namely For Your Dog, Animal Therapies Magazine, Natural Instinct, and BioGal. Anna is an ambassador for charities, including All Dogs Matter and Dogs on the Streets. Finally, Anna also has her own podcast, which is amazing, called A Dog's Life, where she investigates all aspects of modern dog ownership, talking to scientists and experts who have changed and are changing our understanding of dogs. Today, Anna and I are going to try and chat about dogs from a holistic perspective. We're going to look at some rescue dog stuff. Um, We're also going to chat about some nutrition to find out the right diets and the controversial world of pet nutrition and how nutrition affects our dogs. So welcome, Anna. Thank you so much for joining me today. Joe, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for
1: inviting me. I should say I co-host the barking hour. It is really also (laughs) with uh, Joe Good. Um, and it is raining strong on the airways. (laughs) 12 years on which is quite um quite an extraordinary thing the dog slot um there you go
0: (laughs) I think that's amazing you know what dogs are so emotive for people so I'm not surprised it's doing really well because I think people get very very heavily involved emotionally in their animals and and actually want to glean as much information as possible so it's great to have something to listen to on a consistent basis that's keeping you know knowledge at the forefront really Regarding topics and stuff, I mean, is there right at this moment in time, we're obviously coming off the back of a pandemic, which we you know we're all investigating um, the effects of that from a professional perspective. But for you, what, what do you think has been your real kind of standout issue, problem, you know, thing that you're, you're really kind of passionate about at the moment that, that you would like to chat about today?
1: Gosh, I mean, probably too much that that we've got time for. But, you know, the thing is, dogs have always been here. You know, I think the way the news is and, and, and stuff at the moment, you'd think that, dogs have just arrived during the pandemic it seems for me a little bit isolated you have to look at everything in massive context and back in 2010 the world was actually a very different place you know hardly anywhere certainly in London was dog friendly compared to now most restaurants are dog friendly it's kind of gone in reverse you know it's Mm -hmm. difficult to find a restaurant that don't accept dogs Um, so you know I think this is um, a culmination of many many years of dogs infiltrating in more of us becoming different as as humans you know um a lot more people have become home workers you know before lockdown um okay and lots yeah. of people have turned to dogs to be their constant companions before lockdown so certainly before lockdown i was saying you know we are now living with the most dogs that we ever have done as a human race you know yeah um, and now of course post lockdown that's got even... Even more. But I think, you know, a lot of the problems we, we've seen raise their ugly heads through lockdown were going on before lockdown. Yeah. So, absolutely. public farming was rife before lockdown. Of course, all of the lockdown restrictions and so on meant that unscrupulous, nasty people took advantage of well meaning people. But I mm-hmm. think, you know, um, a, lot, a, lot, a lot has changed. I mean, when, when I grew up, my dad was a retired army officer. Anyway, and he he um, worked for the RSPCA Shropshire branch. He was the secretary right. of the when I was really small. So I learned about a lot of animal cruelty cases even then. And and so we're talking, you know, um, the early seventies, <laughs> Joe. Um, so. L- Everything sort of is the same, but of course it has been heightened by by lockdown. so I think issues of animal cruelty, you know yes, horrendous are there i've always been there unfortunately, Absolutely. and we have to look at our, ourselves, the human condition as to what's going on here with our relationship with animals and our and why do we want animals in our life? Are we just wanting animals in our life to be our comfort blankets when we get home from work i've written yeah. about that i to a degree, <laughs> that's what many people do actually want from their dog, but that's not fair for the dog, you know. um Dogs should be by your side, like my bull terrier is right now in in her bed chewing on a on a yak chew. You know, when you take on a dog, y- y- you can't really work nine till five. Somebody has to be at home, and the difference between rescues when I was, you know, very young, um, and now is that. It, the RSPCA back in the day would never rehome a dog to a home that somebody wasn't there most of the time, the majority of the time. So if yeah. the whole house was out working at nine till five every single day, you couldn't have a dog. You had to get a cat instead. But in this world where we have to have everything everything is ours now one click we we can have whatever we want the face yeah. cream we want the hoover that we want the dog that we want you know um and i think this is all part of it it's it's a massive mixture of influences and cultural change uh, that um has led to everyone thinking joe then what you to think about this but that it's their right to have a dog rather yeah. than a pr-
0: And and I also think you mentioned cruelty and I think the perception of cruelty is quite an important consideration. You know, for me, I look at situations with dogs in severe distress because of exactly what you say that they are an emotional crutch for, you know, human stressors. And it's not perceived as, as the dog struggling, you know, as we talked about earlier, you know, actually owners understanding stress and, and what stress looks like in the dog isn't always uh, obvious to people. Um, you know, there are many situations that I walk into and say, this is cruel. The way that you're managing this dog is cruel. And they would be horrified. Owners would be absolutely horrified that I would say that. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen the same. Um, These dogs are under so much stress and so much pressure, but it's just not perceived as being cruel because they're, killing them with kindness really loving them cuddling them you know having them in their beds not putting any structure into their day there's no value to their day there's no value around food or possessions or work Um, Mm. so i think i think that's quite an important consideration um, for for owners to consider about how they view view their dogs regarding the the kind of obviously most people consider cruelty as being a beating um a physical kind of neglect or or physical violence what's your perception on that do you kind of agree that we probably see more cruelty through dogs being bored left at home not properly exercised etc than we do actually physical harm now which I'm sure before it was a lot of physical harm and frustration many years back
1: I don't know I I don't know the latest figures um, from the RSPCA on you know cruelty cases and neglect I would guess that cruelty and neglect cases have risen, but in our old school understanding of it all, you know. Yeah, but then, yeah. of course, yes, cruelty, you know, can be defined in in a myriad of ways. Um, for me, I I see neglect, if you like, every day when I go out on the Hackney Marshes and I mm-hmm. see Uh, packs of dogs. I sometimes count 12 dogs with two people and these dogs are all on leads. They're not having any individual attention. They're not playing games. Um, They're just milling around really um, Mm. as the people are chatting with one another or worse still on their smartphone. So this lack of understanding, I think, of what a dog is, Which, I, I, you know, to a degree you can't blame people because I suppose it's something you don't really learn in school. I don't know. I did O-level biology. So a long time ago, I learned that a dog was a carnivore. But we're going to segue to that in a minute. But I suppose in school you don't learn how to look after a dog. Is as well with the popular popularization of dogs through modern technology like social media. Um, everybody wants a dog. It seems that your life is happy with a dog. Looking at social media, um, and so people are wanting to buy into that, but they don't necessarily know what a dog is or how to choose the right dog for their lifestyle, which I think can make a massive difference. I always say this, you've got to be totally honest with yourself. You might think Siberian Huskies are the most beautiful dogs you've ever seen, which they are stunning dogs. But, you know, most people should never own a Siberian Husky. They're not capable of it, which isn't me being rude. It's me being honest that um, people underestimate as well. When I've trained dogs, I don't know. Sorry, that's Prudence just joining me on the not in the chair.
0: We <laughs> um, love an animal um, joining us on a podcast. That's all good. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> it's allowed.
1: So, hey, Joe's a very famous trainer, Bim. So you we know, don't want you being naughty. No, no. Um, <laughs> so basically, um, yeah. Where was I? So, yeah. I just think it's it, it's it's a shame. There's so much education going on out there. All the animal welfare's are trying to educate. Um, yeah, uh, uh, The Kennel Club tries to educate. We've got laws now in place, like Lucy's Law, which didn't in my view work as well as it should have done when it became law because lockdown was already in place so Mm -hmm. lockdown almost proliferated you know unscrupulous puppy breeding and of course for people who don't know that it's a really bad idea to buy a dog on the internet because they buy everything else on the internet you see I don't think they're doing it on purpose but I think this is this huge lack of understanding of of what a dog is you know a dog is more intelligent than most people it is man's best friends that w- we domesticated the first animal we domesticated and the reason I think we did this okay all those years ago was to fulfill the only thing that is actually lacking in the human condition which is unconditional love because <laughs> dogs that you know um, are left alone all day whatever they will greet their owner's like they love them more than anything else. Yeah. They'll be, they be loyal to those owners, even though those owners aren't perhaps giving that dog a life that you or I might consider better, but yeah. th- that dog's still happy with the lot. The lot is to be loyal to that owner that gives them food, that gives them the roof over their head. And that's where I feel sad sometimes. You see the dogs so wanting to love their owners. You can talk about this on so many different levels of life now, um, because particularly through lockdown, we've got so used to living our life through technology, which you see, I don't really think it's been very good for people either. So. Right. It's this lack of understanding of what, what a dog is really and understanding that all dogs are an individual. Every Cavalier King Charles Spaniel is different. Every Bull Terrier is totally different. And that you need to adapt, um, it, you know, skills with dogs according to each dog. Um, yeah. So that's that's the other key thing to remember. And some dogs won't thrive in a doggy daycare environment, um, just like some children won't thrive going to boarding school you know that's yeah, no well. so it, it's a complicated thing and I just hope it can be pulled in a little bit because you know I remember living in a world when there were no dog walkers you know they didn't exist it wasn't that long ago I got my first dog as a grown-up in 2002 Molly my first bull terrier in 2002 there were no dog walkers there were no doggy daycare I was freelance you know um you know running around juggling Molly juggling meetings, nowhere was dog friendly, really couldn't take her very into very many places then yeah. at all, and it was a right old juggling act, but I yeah. loved it it me and Molly, Molly, and me um no matter what and we we worked it out um. So I think it's just too easy for people to get dogs. I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's too easy for people to get dogs. And there's all these service sectors now. So people don't even do anything with their dogs anymore. They don't even clip their own dog's toenails.
0: No, and I, I think that's, you know, going back to kind of I was thinking about the date that you brought up, actually, of you getting Molly. So I had my first lab, Merlin, then, um, and he, he used to come to work with me when I was vet nursing. He was at work with me all day, every day. Um probably taught me, much like your Molly, probably pretty much what the canine world was all about because he was just fascinating to watch how how dogs communicate is just amazing and made me think really in quite a lot of depth about the way that I managed the dogs that came in the practice and their perception of me and it it just made me a better vet nurse really having him but certainly I saw I started the business I transitioned out of veterinary medicine into canine psychology in about 2005 I started doing uh, courses in vet practice first and then started doing stuff on my own and it was around about that time that I really noticed the change in the dogs coming in the practice um, and things starting to be quite different, which is when I think the culture around dogs, dogs went from being, uh, you know, maybe kept outside or in kitchens or they were worked a lot then. Uh, they were bred for purpose. Um, they weren't necessarily uh, emotional crutches. They We didn't have brilliant flea and worm treatments back then. They weren't amazing. People spent a lot of money on their sofas. So there were a lot more kind of limitations around them. And I think around that time, things started to really break down and dogs seemingly became more of status. You know, they were they were bought, as you say, because they were much easier to get hold of. They were, you know, certain breeds became very trendy. Um, and really that was my transition into canine behaviour because I just realised that people inherently didn't have any kind of time or or acknowledgement of what, you know, actually working dogs out and what they were about, what they were trying to say. People just overlooked everything. Looking back on that now, it's done nothing, but social media has obviously made this worse, but spiral out of control. The dog, just for me now has very little value about them being a predator, about the the things that they value, the resources they value, the things that they would naturally work hard for and get that big dopamine rush from gaining. They just don't get these things anymore. Um, And, you know, you'll find the same. I'm sure, Anna, when you go into houses, you look at environment, you look at relationships to work behavior issues out. And and actually, and fixing the dog is not the problem that's actually very simple most of the time but the dynamics involved in being able to do that successfully when you look at how people live their lives and how they have very little time and they're very stressed and you know may they maybe have these open plan houses now the dog's got no bolt hole um i find that more challenging than anything dealing with the human element of of my cases not the dog element the dog takes 10 minutes do you find the same
1: Yes, and, and the, the big tricky one for me very often actually is explaining to them that they need to put rugs on their shiny floors because yeah. um, the look on faces is quite what? No, 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 not over my floors. No, no, I love my pocket
0: floor. <laughs> yeah, that's going to spoil the look. And,
1: um, no, 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 no. I mean, yeah, it's look, I try and be really simple. Oh, gosh, sounds awful. I, no, look, mostly people when they've, you know, uh, hired someone to come in to help they want to try I think the problem is is all the people that don't look for help and muddle on regardless I think anyone that's you know taken the step to call somebody in to make things better then they're they're the good ones and are willing to um, make changes to their home environment understand dogs can't have too much freedom until they've earned that freedom and and basically to understand that Really, all dogs want to do is to have fun. Mm-hmm. So if you turn their, their world into a game based on rules and teamwork, you have hit the jackpot, a game, game racing yeah. at the bus stop, you know, walking on the pavement. It's a game. And, and, and really understanding the power of play. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that's coming through a lot. People just think dogs will work for food, but you will have met dogs that aren't food motivated. Not interested.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, so, I use food to check how stressed the dog is predominantly rather than yeah. actually to reward them just to see whether yeah. they'll even take it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, playing with your dog takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of humility. You know, um, I was saying, you know, the other day, you've got to play a game of tug with him on the pavement, you Mm -hmm. know, um, and make the pavement fun. Otherwise, we're not going to get anywhere. So it's good. You know, I mean, I, you know, I hope I help people and that makes me feel a lot better. It's a balance. Some dogs, um, there was one dog I saw, actually, um, a Romanian rescue I wasn't expecting him to be like he was when I got there and he was just terrified, so Mm. terrified and not dealing well at all with being in a centrally heated, um, building and everything. And it was, that was a real shock in a way, um, that this dog could have been rehomed really in the first place. It's, um, I don't know, going back to what you originally said, a dog's happier in Romania. I mean, it's such a politically... Um, it really is. So, You know, I think some of them might be happier on the streets in Romania. I know mm. they might be killed, but um, it just depends on the owners um, and their, uh, their experience. And again, understanding, as you said, how to communicate in dog. They didn't... Mm-hmm that the dog was very stressed out so once we got through this once we started to build the trust between them and their dog um, I've heard from them since this was a few years ago and things have gone really well and this dog is now really well settled they were prepared to put the effort in so what I'm saying is I think when people reach out, saying you know it's not all bad we can't think that because i don't think that's that's fair i think a lot of people do want to try and do the right thing but they just don't know how to but when pointed in the right direction particularly to understand what their dog is saying to them so they can then adapt their behavior to communicate fluently with the dog
0: yeah absolutely i mean and i think that's that's the whole point is trying to bring the human and the dog together you know any of us guys doing behavior work that's your goal isn't it really is to Make it work and and find solutions that work for for the human as as well as the dog. Just regarding the Romanian rescues, um, Anna, we broke we spoke briefly about that. Um, how many do you think you're actually seeing now as a, a rough? I mean, are they taking up? Are you, are you getting what one or two a week, or are you you know seeing less than that? How many do you think you've got coming through right now, or the, the, the you know not just Romanian but the Bosnian and the European imports as well?
1: yeah um oh, not not that many. I mean, you know, um whether it's because I talk on the radio about how I feel there are enough dogs in this country that need good mm-hmm. home. I'm not a great fan of bringing dogs in from abroad, uh simply mm-hmm. because there are dogs get killed in this country. I think people don't realize that, so yeah. um it, it, which does happen, so there are more than enough dogs. In this country, for everyone in rescue right now, plus yes. loads and loads more are being bred and being sold on the internet as we speak. And listen, I've spent a lot of time in Africa and a lot of time in India, so I've seen real street dogs surviving, being really quite happy. Right in mm. India, Some of them, yeah, it's a nightmare. They're run over, they don't get the vet care. You see them limping. It breaks my heart. I mean, on my trip to India, it was um, before the passport scheme yeah it was at that tricky stage i mean i nearly brought a puppy back but i mean that would have been absolutely ridiculous at that time for all sorts of reasons um but you know i can see why people do it i can see why people go somewhere like greece see a dog and bring that dog back you have bonded with that dog in real life yeah. made a connection but choosing a dog from a photograph. Mm. I can't get my head around that at all which again goes back to the lack of understanding of what a dog mm-hmm. is when you haven't met a dog you have no idea of their personality um mm-hmm. and no idea of what type of skill sets you're going to need and I think that's again where you know rescues need to work perhaps a bit harder with the interested people that want to adopt from abroad to really work out what skill sets they have, if any, with a dog. Because bringing any rescue into your life, I mean, one of my dogs is a rescue, um, a British rescue. (laughs) Um, It's ridiculous as he would say that. He took loads of rehabilitation. He took about three years to rehabilitate. Yeah, yeah. So, um I think that's where it goes wrong but I met him before I took him on
0: <laughs> I do also think that they're quite different so the, the street dogs that are coming over genetically are quite different to our UK dogs you know they 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 seemingly to me and you know you will know better having spent time with them in, in places like India and stuff but I think they have a much higher level of caution I think they're much more focused on um primitive drives um and when those things are opened up those survival mechanisms are opened up they're very very Hard to manage when you're living in a kind of two up, two down with a, a small garden and a busy street right outside your front door. And I just recently, or just this weekend, actually did a, a trauma conference with, with some guys that work really heavily with a lot of these dogs and others, dogs that have been severely traumatized. And what I came away with was almost a little bit demoralized in that the job I'm trying to do in a window of just a few weeks with a client is just not realistic because most of these dogs are taking, like you've just said, two years, three years to rehabilitate. You know, and people just don't have that kind of time to have a dog in their house that is too scared to go out the front door or that they can't leave home alone because they're trying to run their lives. And I think that's the awareness that just isn't out there right now. People have no clue how taking on one of these dogs is going to affect their lives going forwards in such a huge way.
1: Absolutely agree. You know, I, I agree. Um, Yeah. And I, I, you know, I feel sorry for all these dogs abroad. But at the end of the day. Certainly, in India, it's a poverty issue. You know, it's not that they're being horrible to dogs on purpose. Romania, that that's a bit different. China, potentially, that's um a lot more different. You know, the Yulin festival and trying to re, um, yeah, (laughs) bring out you know this old tradition of um, you know, eating dogs. Mm. Um. So, but you know, look in India, they don't eat cows. Um, we eat cows, so does that make us really bad? You know, so there is all this whole cultural thing, and sometimes I think you know that, um, you've got to fix everything that's going on at home before you can branch out. But of course, yeah. there are many success stories as well, we can't just say it's absolutely yeah and and some people really will be experienced people that do know that taking on any rescue is a very long rehabilitation phase they want to do it because the rewards are tremendous when you get it right I mean it's absolutely Uh amazing raising the perfect dog is so rewarding but of course as you say this takes a huge amount of time and you've got to spend time with your dog to get to know your dog otherwise you can't work through any behavior problems if you don't encounter behavior problems or um, experiences and situations together Um, and that's my big bugbear at the moment that people aren't spending enough time with their dogs because people think it's normal that dog walkers walk your dog okay it's They don't understand that that actually isn't normal every day. And that's where I hope some education comes in. Um, And hopefully, in a way, lockdown may have helped with all of that as more people will be working from home now. More people are, you know, starting new careers and perhaps building their dogs into their lifestyle. So we're at this point where there's a lot of change going on in the world. Mm. So, um, yeah, but um,
0: absolutely, you know, I think think there's. With regards to dog walking and the, the dog daycare, I mean, I, I just think there's just a huge amount of knowledge and education that needs to be put into those, those uh, you know, professional capacities. They need to be seen as professional capacities because they're essentially, you know, responsible for the learning of each and every individual dog. So, I mean, when I look at a dog daycare, I find it really hard to comment because I'm sure there are people that have got, you know, behaviour qualifications and are running really nice setups and, and are managing the dogs that are together they're being careful with bullying they are be doing some training they're exercising these dogs and maybe that is the only place the dogs actually getting any kind of level of enrichment but as you know the majority of the time unfortunately is there's lots of maybe unskilled people that are running these that have got great hearts uh, not actually possessing the knowledge and what they find fun and interactive for the dog, because it's actually really quite distressing for another dog. Or uh, you know, two dogs might be having some sort of a challenge or issue over a possession or over food, but it's not necessarily picked up as being bullying because the dogs look like they're having a great time. And I, I just, I just think you know these professions have sprung up as being. You know, quick money making, making situations where people can, you know, it solves a short term problem. Um, but what we're ending up with is is long term problems that are becoming more obvious with regards to the dogs behaviours. So having the ability to set some, like you say, some legislation or structure or education into those professions is really what we need to be looking at doing now.
1: It's making people realise that, you know, it's fine. You might have the best dog walker in the world is super qualified and all the rest of it. But that dog walker is not you. That no. dog walker, you know, doesn't own your dog. That dog walker isn't totally responsible for that dog's life. And so, you know, unless you train your own dog, that's why I also, another bugbear is people... um, I had an inquiry actually. I obviously remain nameless. They they'd sent their dogs must remain names um, off to oh, no. a training centre. Oh no! I know what you're going to say. to be trained as puppies and then to come back trained. Oh. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> It, it, that obviously didn't work that so doesn't work so but you know it's that mentality you know all mm. oh, right right, a puppy right so I can't be bothered with it at all so I'm just going to send it off somewhere they're going to train it it's going to yeah. come back super trained and that's all brilliant and of course that's not going to work in reality because so you have to train your own dog um Actually. you know so it, it's so complicated I don't really know what the answer is Joe. I mean yeah. I get really up buy it um, and see it going on but I don't think anyone really can change it um mm. whilst access to dog I think buying dogs should be made a lot more difficult I think bringing in a dog license should happen but a dog license that's actually much the RSPCA really behind this idea where if you you know so you have your dog license which might you know cost a reasonable amount of money every year but this is going to allow you access to mm. dog food firms get perhaps discount off some good raw balanced complete food i will say uh, segueing for a moment <laughs> to go into nutrition um, we're gonna go
0: there we're gonna go there <laughs> other, other
1: benefits you know the benefits you know um uh discounts in hotels all sorts of things you know top list of you know, all sorts of things so yeah, it's a bit like being the or something where you <laughs> yeah. get the things offers so that you feel part of an exclusive club um yeah. and that this is connected to a central database which I also feel very passionate about because of all this dog theft that's going on which is another yeah. nightmare, nightmare. Um, and, uh, and of course, you know, a, a lot to shape up the veterinary profession, I will say as well, to be quite honest with you, you know, in terms of scanning dogs and, you know, um, being able to take a bit of frontline action, which obviously legally vets aren't really allowed to do. They might find stolen dogs, but probably if I was a vet as well, I wouldn't be too keen to sort of say to some big bloke, sorry, mate, no. that's dog you know because the next minute you know you might find yourself in a sticky situation so I get all of that but it sort of makes the role of vets you know you could do more I think you know um, at that level um, to help reunite dogs and their owners but um, there's, there's so much that does need to be changed mm-hmm. you know if, as well you know they are charging so much now that i believe they are biting the hands that feed them um and the service through covid i can't say how dreadful it's been um okay um and i think it all could have been handled a huge amount better my own dog had a massive emergency crisis in the middle of covid and that really made me realize what was going oh. on because i was sorry um yeah well yeah luckily i took uh, the ball into my own hands and demanded a referral to the Queen Mother Hospital, where at least, you know, I will say they do know
0: Yeah,
1: what the dog is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so let's move on now to nutrition. Let's do
0: to nutrition. You. I think it's, it's quite an interesting one for me, Anna, because I, I know I, I basically career-wise was uh, educated by, and obviously not going to mention the big brands, but I was educated with free uh, nutritional courses with some of the big dry food specifically dry food focused brands and um, I was a head nurse in practice for four and a half years so I furnished my house on the perks of selling said dry food my poor Merlin my first lab had horrendous allergies and he was put on a, a dry food which I subsequently found out the processing of said dry food and the fact that the bag was full of dust mites house dust mites as soon as I opened it was actually making these allergies worse. But that took a really long time for me to find enough information we're talking a very long time ago now um so I think my transition from uh nutrition in practice into nutrition where I'm at now and I feed raw that that's my choice it took me a long time to get there but I've fed raw um solely now for the last nine ten years um and have never looked back really but I was one of the first probably vet nurses to experience experience the effects of the bath diet on a negative level where people went from feeding dry food to their six-year-old Labradors and then started feeding chicken carcasses. So as you can imagine, we were operating on dogs weekly to remove bones. And we are a long, long way on from that now, thankfully. And and the education around raw food is absolutely amazing. Um, But I think from a behaviour perspective, actually what I saw coming into uh, looking at dogs in, in homes being fed dry food was the real negative side of processed food feeding and what an impact that was actually having not just on the dog's health um but also on their psychological well being. So I know it's a real expert area of yours. So um and I know you're very pro-raw. So I just kind of want to explore that with you um now and maybe chat about veganism in dogs as well. Um yeah. which I know is just horrendous. What is that about? So just to pick your brains on that, where do you want to start, Anna? <laughs> I'm sure this oh, is huge. Oh, this is so funny.
1: Okay, yeah. Well listen, um Years ago I wanted to be a dietitian right for humans because I believed from the get-go, I've always been Interested in food, and I've always believed in the adage "you are what you eat." So yeah, so it was really Molly's breeder that told me, taught me about raw green tripe. That's where it all began, really, in Yorkshire. Uh, prior to that, all of our dogs at home had eaten boiled up like lamb's hearts, meat leftover, meat bought, scraps from the butchers, bones, your bone, because that was the era, you know, I grew up in. You see, so. Um, and dad, he was quite an old dad. So, um, He was born in 1920, Dad, so grew up with dogs, you know, obviously before the Second World War, um, before processed foods really were invented, you know, before even vaccinations were, before Mm -hmm. antibiotics were even available for dogs, you know, so a very different, you know, education that was then fed to me. So that's really how, how it all began, that obviously, you know, in our home we fed dogs, as meat eating animals, right? Yeah. Um, and then, so it was great when, and I forget, I had to look after our neighbor's bull terrier for a weekend. Um, and I said, Look, show me how you feed Bill, you know, and everything. So he said, Yeah, well, this is how you feed dogs now, Anna. I went, Well, <laughs> this is before I got Molly. No, it's brilliant, Anna, right? So all you have to give him is a scoop of this and you yeah. stick it in his mouth. <laughs> I went, Really? when did this happen Toby you know and um said oh, it's all great it's all scientifically put together and yeah. I was like all right okay. so anyway so needless to say billet lots of other foods that weekend and good to really <laughs> enjoy it but anyway, that was very naughty of me that was before I got my bill this bull terrier was the inspiration for me to get Molly um so um yeah. And then, um, so I got Molly and then yes, I was feeding her on raw green tribe. Every single vet I went to see, um, oh, so what do you feed her on? Um, I feed her on raw green tribe. Oh my God, you can't yeah, do they that. Hate it.
0: Yeah.
1: And I mean, so hate it. I mean, so hate it. And one vet said to me, um, do you know what it is? I mean, it's so patronizing, do you know what I mean? I find vets very patronizing. I mean, <laughs> they need to stop that because they alienate people. It's yeah. not nice. Bedside manner, I think it's called, doesn't exist. Sometimes, mostly, um, often, and um, I, I mean, I find I get a lot. Anyway, so it all began there with Raw Green Tripe, and um, and then what happened in two thousand and nine was um, the launch of the Complete Balance Raw Diet with Honey's launched, Natural Instinct launched, yeah. Uh, prize choice dog food rebranded to be called nature's menu, much yeah. more glamorous. <laughs> and that was really the beginning, really, of, um, of, of, of of this trend, which I do believe is still the fastest growing aspect of your pet food industry, you know. Um, and I think a lot of people, particularly actually, you know, the younger generation now, are... Reading labels, they are understanding that you are what you eat, um, yeah. and that health can totally be optimised by the right diet. Also, we're being pushed by the NHS now to stop eating processed food, cut mm-hmm. back sugar, okay, which is pro-inflammatory, to stop buying those processed meals that you microwave. I mean, I don't even own a microwave. I, I mean, I am a bit of a freak. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I just really don't see the point of radiating your food and then no. eating it. But, Never, I've never had a microwave. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I think I think people are realising this more now, and I think that's going to pay dividends um, with dogs. I mean, lots of the dogs I see now are already eating raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, many are and so you know naturally I will always kind of touch on that in any session because you're actually right I mean you you know you see children that just eat sugar all day we all see them in the supermarket well when I used to go to the supermarket I haven't been actually for 18 months the supermarket Same. It. But yeah, yeah um, just you know, click, so it, click got, and collect <laughs> that's it. so you go up, you know um all these you know, sugar-loaded um, people rushing around having sugar highs, sugar lows, and uh, that, of course, happens in dogs as well. And once people see that, I think, or think about it for more than a second, it just obviously makes perfect sense. But for me, it's beyond all that. It's just understanding that a dog is a dog. A dog mm. is not rabbit um okay so a dog is a carnivore um and there was some research in 2013 it was a swedish study by um axelson and sons that then um discovered that dogs do actually have a lot more of the amylase making gene than a wolf that has none um so in discovering this they they proclaimed in 2013 that a dog was an omnivore you know and this I really want to know who commissioned that study. Um, I can probably guess, be one of a few. Um, It's very convenient. But of course, a dog cannot have an omnivorous digestive system because they're on four feet. We we are omnivores. Um, We are on two legs. We have a hugely long digestive system. We create amylase in our mouth. Dogs create a little more amylase than um, wolves. Some breeds apparently produce more amylase than others. I'm still very dubious about this. I think all of this science is being created on purpose to sell um, food that is not species appropriate for dogs because by doing that, dogs will get allergies. We see so much itchy skin at the moment, leaky eyes, bunged up ears, itchy pores, you know, weight loss, uh, lat the coats, cancer, uh, diabetes in dogs, which, you know, pre-war, I don't think there was ever a case of a diabetic dog. Um, James Herriot never dealt with a diabetic dog. Mm-hmm. Um, now diabetes is one of the main conditions, along with arthritis, early arthritis. Obesity, of course, is also the other big one which creates arthritis. But it's all because we're, on the whole, feeding pro-inflammatory ingredients to a dog that And ingredients that dogs cannot digest and absorb the nutrients from because their digestive system is not omnivorous it is carnivorous and therefore they should be eating animal fat and animal protein dogs can't get high cholesterol you know some that say you know uh, diabetes put them on a diabetic diet which is going to be so full of sugar Mm -hmm. that from all of the ingredients like wheat maize rice Barley. These are the main ingredients in dog food at the moment. Mm. Which a horse eats barley. um And as I think Nick Thompson said recently on something I saw quickly on Instagram, I, I paused on it and gave it a fire symbol, okay, because he was talking <laughs> passionately, saying, if vegans want to have a totally vegan pet, the only pet they can have is a rabbit. And I'm absolutely passionate about this. And we'll underline it again. If vegans want a vegan pet, then the only one you can have is a rabbit. I suppose you could go into guinea pigs as well, perhaps chinchillas. But these are herbivores. So yep. that's really where I'm at with it. I hope that's come across okay. <laughs>
0: no, do you know well? It's really interesting, Anna. Bear in mind, I have got a veterinary nursing qualification you know, Royal Veterinary College qualification. And I was taught very early on, and it was a fair while ago now, I did my exams, um, dogs are (laughs) omnivores. So there you You go. That's what I was taught. So, you know, over time, it's obviously transpired that dogs do much better being on carnivorous diets. It's a really interesting topic, that a really interesting thing that you've just spoken about, actually, because I think a lot of people won't necessarily be too sure about it. So it's really good to hear.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, um, look, it's basically trying to mimic um, what dogs would eat in the wild. When you see dogs scavenging around in India and everything, um, I honestly bet my... Bottom dollar that if they're in a bin, okay, and they've got a box of rice to choose from or a box of leftover chicken curry, yeah. do you know what? I'm going to go for the chicken curry. And so there's been loads of studies that present dogs with a bowl of lentils, bowl of dry food, bowl of actual fresh meat, and mm. whatever. And the dogs will naturally on on their own volition, right? Which is what positive reward-based training is all about. You encourage the dog to do the behavior that you want on its own. So you give the dog choice and then obviously reinforce them the choice. But it's given the choice, they're going to eat meat. They're not going to eat lentils. Mm. So I think, you know, we just have to be just fair about this. You have to just think, okay, yes, I agree, dog's teeth are meant. slashing meat dogs don't have grinding teeth they have large canines Mm. you know I was also a podcast the other day that said yes I know the dogs do have um large canines but when you look at their molars they're not as pointy as the wolves so that implies they're definitely omnivores I'm like you know my head in my hands on this okay (laughs) um so um So, yes, it it is um, to think about how physiologically they are designed to eat meat with their teeth, with their short digestive system, with the fact that the content of their stomach is pretty much pure acid. Ours isn't. Omnivore's Mm. pH is very alkaline, um, which is because... We are predisposed to get protein and whatever, everything from plants. We're better off actually being vegetarian or vegan humans. But Mm -hmm. dogs, segueing to that, absolutely not. I can't bear it. I think veganism for dogs is basically cruel. Um, I think it's neglectful. Um, I think it's unethical and you know people say yes but my dog's also this new insect trend my dog's been eating this insect diet now and oh god I didn't you even know, know
0: about this this is new on me and an I do not know about insect diets
1: <laughs> this is shocking yeah, so, I know so insects yeah the latest novel protein yeah oh, now the thing no. is Insects live in the dark and they tend to live on other insects um, and they don't really have any fat. And going back to what you know, carnivores need, they need animal fat and animal protein. Yes, you can supplement with all of these things. So a vegan dog can be supplemented with all the, the 10 so. amino acids that are naturally lacking from a vegan diet for mm-hmm. a dog. But then we all know synthetic supplements aren't the real source, and what nutrition's all about is feeding yourself as a human and your dog as a dog on functional foods that will mm. literally do just that—function.
0: I, I think. And I think it's really it sad is. that. Sorry, and okay. no, I, th- I was just going to say, I think it's really sad that, you know, you mentioned that, the, you know, we've got severe diabetes issues and, um, and, um, talking about stage two diabetes and, and obesity. And these are all, Human-created problems that human beings are creating for their dogs. You know, I think that's really sad. We are in control of what we feed our dogs. We don't need our dogs to be fat. It's not. We haven't. You know, the, the dog doesn't shouldn't willingly be emptying the cupboards of crisps and, and digestive biscuits. They're, the dog's getting this state because they don't have enough exercise and they're overfed with with a poor diet. Um, I think that used to really sadden me in practice when I was I used to run an obesity clinic for dogs. And I got to the stage where I actually really struggled to run it because that's abuse. You know, you don't need to be doing this to your animals at all. Um, and I, but you do. You do wonder whether the type of diet and the you know the culture around diet makes it very difficult for owners to to really know what they're doing and what they should be feeding and how much they should be feeding is always the question. How much should I feed my puppy? You Know it's always top end, isn't it? Of what you should be giving when you look at the packets of these things, it's always a huge amount of food that you're encouraged to feed.
1: I know it, it is. I mean, look, the thing I, I just hope now, I mean, now I feel a lot easier about having this conversation with you, for example, than I did say in 2002. Um, much easier about it because. We are now being educated at a human level to Mm -hmm. eat fresh food um, for all the reasons on a human level. Things like arthritis, heart disease and diabetes at a human level. So Mm -hmm. for me now, it's a very natural argument to say, look, we know this. We've seen Hugh." Fernley you know take on um, some big brands on on telly Um, he's actually engineered that a lot of sugar is now not in cereals which is great so Mm. some real significant change has happened on a human level just in the last couple of years so it's easier to present this I think to to dog owners now and they just go god yeah well of course and I just say look at the ingredients you know and um, that's and then really you know explain and, and people know that dogs eat meats so I mean it's
0: not rocket science
1: really (laughs) it's not not new anyone would think that this is like some crazy revelation they eat meat, gosh they really they can't be a vegan, really Uh, you know, so yeah I think again it's just this um, not really understanding what a dog is when you get a dog Um, and and, and also the other thing I will say, you know a long time ago like when I was young, vets didn't sell food big thing, they didn't sell food vets didn't sell anything actually they they were just vets but of course you know our consumer society has meant that and that's all changed and some vet shops are actually bigger than their actual vet practice yeah definitely um so um, it's all changed and of course I mean you said that you know you get commission for selling yeah you do and, and
0: you also get I don't know I don't know whether it's brainwashed or, or what but you know I was a, obviously a fairly fairly young vet nurse going into these these big brands and they're showing you the science of these caged animals that they've got in their, oh, in their you. It, you, know, just, you know it's just what do you believe you know you're looking at the science and the research projects they've got on the clinical trials for this and it's not real life clinical trials. It's not and sitting here as a 47 year old woman I'm very different to the 24 year old that that was experiencing this this level of knowledge. Uh, but it is really frustrating when it's presented on such a scale. Um, and you you, you you know it's not the vet's fault they're being given these clinical trials and they're all about research and clinical trials because that's the world that generally the veterinary profession is in. And it's very hard to go against that unless you're living where we're living, which is on the ground, going into people's houses and seeing the changes that that are made by feeding the dogs, you know, normal, balanced healthy diets.
1: Joe, I would disagree a bit with that. You know, I mean, vets eat themselves, you know, and I think it just depends on the individual vet. I know loads of vets that embrace raw and sell raw. Um, I know a vet that used to tell me raw green tripe was absolutely awful for my dog, but then because the market demands, put a freezer in and sold um, raw brands. I know. Um and sold raw green tripe years later. Would you believe it? Apparently one of their best sellers. Oh, so how funny. Um, that yeah exactly exactly so I, I still go back to that thing I think this education on a human level about what we're all eating is going to filter down I, I do believe that I do believe that and many vets do embrace it as, as I say so again so the, big, the big
0: issue is this the what I get from vets is the salmonella Campylobacter issue right which dogs cope really really well with and I've heard some real ridiculous things that I just don't have any substance for at all which is you know the dogs are emitting campylobacter and salmonella through their fur was what I got from from one vet practice and you know you asked the question well how where when how what I know, why that for
1: five <laughs> seconds, it, I know how does that even
0: happen I have literally no clue but I mean this is kind of the 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 things that the clients are coming to me with and my vet doesn't like it, you know, not all vets. I absolutely agree with you. I've got some amazing vets that either sit on the fence because they don't have knowledge enough either way or the other, but they're they're really open to everything or are very pro raw and think that it's great. So I do think they're across the board. They're the guys that are going to make the big changes and hopefully that is, is definitely coming. But I, you know, I do, I do wonder how we get over this hurdle of, um, Salmonella Campylobacter being the big thing. And and that's the thing that, you know, we as humans need to be careful with. I just say, look, it's a hygiene risk when you pick up your chicken breasts from Tesco. (laughs) It's exactly or Sainsbury's, or wherever. It's no different, really.
1: No, exactly. I mean, exactly. So with raw food, you know, you've got to, yes, be hygienic. You know, don't spoon out raw food into your dog's bowl and then eat your tomato soup with it without (laughs) washing it first. You know, things like that. You have a shelf in your fridge just for the raw food. Um, Keep everything in Tupperware containers. But for me to think of feeding any living creature on sterile food day in, day out for its Mm. whole life you know for me we talked about cruelty and neglect at the beginning you see that touches on that for me you know yeah. I see how dogs love their food food is a great resource for owners from a training perspective um mm. but, you know you need to vary your dog's diet you've got to stuff those Kongs with proper ingredients you know I never yeah. say I say please don't put that- you know, the dry food in, in your dog's kong, you need that kong to really be interesting. And and it's understanding the ingredients, I think, that dogs can uh, digest and the ingredients that, you know, are bioavailable to dogs that people might not think about, like an egg. OK, everyone's got mm-hmm. eggs in their fridge. Um, an egg is probably one of the most nutritious things you can give to your dog. I like to do an organic egg raw um that might be a bit too much for people but lightly scrambling an egg in some nice you know animal fat called butter um a little bit of because dogs can't get high cholesterol um and really so few people know that that's so interesting i think you see so you've got all this low fat food that's dry but actually fat is good for dogs they they can't actually get fat on fat because they burn it off their digestive Mm -hmm. system's pre-programmed to thrive and digest quickly because if they're in the wild they can't spend four hours digesting their meal they've got to eat it and they've got to go so it's just and and going back to all this bacteria yes it's something it always rears its head in the papers these stories probably once every 18 months but you see you've got to understand it's about the acidity in the gut so the any viruses we're, we've all got antibiotics in our system because we don't live in a clean food chain mm-hmm. um You know, vegans, perhaps more so actually, because they're all eating GMO crops all the time that do distort the immune system and distort um, the balance of um, the the gut. So, because they're not natural. So, you see, you have to bear in mind the whole bigger picture. But because dogs' um, acidity in the stomach really kills bacteria, um, that's why they can scavenge a bit of chicken that they might find on the pavement before you can stop. Yeah, and be fine if yeah. we ate that chicken yes we'd probably be really really ill which is why we generally don't do things like that
0: well <laughs> but, you see that you see them eat a dead rabbit that's been festering for a, a week and a half you know i've had plenty of uh, not my dogs they wouldn't dare but <laughs> like, certainly my clients dogs have uh, have swallowed whole whole rabbits that have festered for a while and been absolutely fine they just come out the back end no problem at all <laughs> nicely digested
1: Yeah, you know, it is. um, I mean, if you're living with someone who is compromised, you know, isn't well, then you do need to take extra care. It's a bit like you know sleeping with your dogs be sensible about it. if you know your dogs walk through a lot of dog mess that day by accident make sure you've cleaned their feet before they get into the bed so much is common sense yeah, um, absolutely. But, um goes back to the beginning really where we were saying we you know people don't really understand what a dog is or, or what they really want from their dog
0: what's your take on dairy when dogs on dairy for dogs right well
1: Um, For a dog with a a, a good, uh, strong, natural immune system, dairy is great. I mean, cows are industrially farmed, so always go organic. Um, Go with dairy like goat or sheep. I mean, goat, uh, Mm -hmm. goat and sheep, but dairy is animal fat and animal protein. So I always recommend some supplements being given to dogs, for example, in a tiny bit of natural yogurt, but an organic yogurt, um, as for me, with my own dogs, i've never seen a problem at all i no. see i problems with dogs. It begins in the weaning stage um a lot depends on what puppies were we'll weaned to. so when I took prudence into my life, i've seen um I made sure she was weaned actually to raw. The breeder did also wean her to some dry just in case. So her immune system would be tolerant to too dry in the event, you know, something happened. She didn't stay with me forever or I decided yeah. to suddenly put my dogs on dry food. <laughs> um, so that was a massive issue for me. What was she going to be weaned on to? Yeah. Um, and I think that's where it all begins by, by saying yeah all uh food allergies intolerances autoimmune conditions yeah, autoimmune conditions i see as being environmental and of course diet is one of the environmental stressors or not mm-hmm. you know similarly mm-hmm. of course vaccines which we won't we haven't got time to go into today but i'd love to go and talk to more about that in in particular may be amazing yeah. yeah we'll be on for hours otherwise um, <laughs> everyone will be going oh god there's a shutter up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know and, you know, treatments, wormers, all of these things, bring it all on, but you see environmental issues um are the key, and you build nutrition into into that, like you said with your bag of dry food that was full of dust mites, for example, yes, you know they all are, so the way dry food is made you can't change the way it's made and it spends a huge amount of time in vacuous uh warehouses um and they they make the life i mean dust mites love dry food i mean it's great for them with proliferating the population of dust mites (laughs) Um, absolutely <laughs> um no no worries of them becoming an endangered species <laughs>
0: <laughs> as long as I was so shocked about that I mean I I literally fed a fed a whatever it was it was so expensive it was probably costing me 60 pound a bag about 18 years ago I mean really expensive oh, diet prescription yeah. <laughs> diet, and I've given it to him and then get told what you really should be doing is weighing his food out and then freezing little bags because otherwise, you're just feeding him house dust mites. And that was that came from the veterinary specialist dermatologist that I saw that helped me sort him out. But I was like, I'm uh, spending all this money. And actually, the food's irrelevant. I'm feeding him one of his biggest allergens in the form of house dust mites. It was just insane.
1: But the other thing for me, the other thing for me is about moisture in food. I'm not super keen on freeze-dried
0: be honest oh that's uh, good. It's good to hear actually because that's becoming more and more popular as people you know it well. i know i know
1: it's like yeah the latest thing and i see a lot of raw brands also offering freeze-dried all right yeah i yeah. They understand they need to earn money but i also think oh you know um because no one really is very new and it doesn't have any moisture. And, and I call it astronaut food. It's the only way I can say so that I've ever eaten any astronaut food. <laughs> it's, it just, uh, anyway, it just, it's too powdery. And just as we need to eat food with moisture in because we're 90% water, we're mammals. Yeah. Um, so so do dogs so for me it's yes it's the dust mites it's the processing it's the poor ingredients it's you know heating it to temperatures where you know any nutrition will be removed from any of the ingredients no matter what they are Um, apart from all of that it's the fact that there is no moisture and and we know I mean think you said going to cats I mean you all know as a vet nurse that most cats die of kidney disease and most cats eat food all their life um, because they forget to drink because they are carnivores of all carnivores. No one can ever make a cat vegan. I'm sure people are trying to, but that's really, gosh, what can I say? Gosh. Um, You know, so they forget to drink um, and over time, just eating dry food will put so much pressure on animals' kidneys um and you know you get disease. <laughs> have you
0: seen so, the um have you seen the uh is, is it prime it's on i think it's on prime amazon prime the, the pet food documentary have you seen that anna um, no, I that, do that.
1: No, yeah it's really of... good
0: it pretty much is on point with what we're discussing here and actually saves me a lot of time in console I tend to point people to it um it's about an hour and a half documentary exploring right. um how pet food is marketed um and oh, yeah, um, yeah you know very pro raw and but why people are driven down this uh dry food market um dry food avenue to, to feed their dogs and the the outcomes of that on, on negative outcomes of that on our dogs now it's just quite interesting for me actually because my doodle I've got a, a doodle that I I took off a client he was really challenging as a puppy and they they had very young kids at the time and, and were really struggling with him and he's continued to be challenging, and he's nearly 12. But what was really interesting with him, he was he was part of my journey into raw food, actually, because I trialled him. I spent about six to eight months trialling different dry foods on him and putting him back on rabbit. Uh, I actually fed him rabbit and porridge, rightly or wrongly, in between just to t- try and take it to a base level. Every time I introduced a dry diet, by day three, I had no control of him. Literally blew his brain like I, it was right. obvious it was a really interesting insight for me to do a little at home experiment on a very small scale um yeah. and that was kind of my turning point really was well, look he he's this is where he needs to be he needs to be diet is everything for him and i don't know what that is i've had these discussions with vets um over the years you know it's not to do with the quality of protein like a lot of people heavily focus on the type and quality of protein which i'm sure is relevant in some instances but um it has to be something to do with processing. I don't know whether things cross the blood brain barrier, but definitely diet is affecting our dogs, particularly those that are prone to anxiety or they're very sensitive or they're they're reactive aggressive. Uh, definitely I've had so many cases where I know for sure that diet, the change in their diet has probably given me another 20% improvement on their behaviour. I'm sure you found the same, right?
1: Oh, God, totally. I mean, absolutely, totally. Um... You know, yes, you know, we've we've, we've sort of covered it. But if you look at dry food, what what I don't like about it, um, one of the many things I don't like about it, is that um, Prudence is getting a bit restless actually now. So (laughs) we'll let you go soon.
0: (laughs) We've (laughs) been waffling for over an hour now.
1: (laughs) now. So you look and you look at the ingredients and it might say, you know, 19% protein. But the protein, I mean, there's... There's one big dry brand, actually. Obviously, I really obviously won't name it. That's uh, not not fair and right to do. But um, you'll know the brand. It actually hasn't got any meat in it at all. Mm. So you see that protein. Yeah, protein, all good. I'm getting 23% protein. But where's the protein from? Yeah. The protein is from ingredients that the dog can't digest in the first place, like wheat, like maize, like rice, like barley. Mm. All these things protein in we so we eat a piece of bread we're getting that protein we're getting the fiber we're getting some b vitamins that's all great for us because we can digest it but a dog can't digest a a piece of bread and get any nutritional benefit from it um they'll enjoy eating it because they might have scavenged it and it was like great fun Mm -hmm. um but it's not going to be nourishing them it's not a functional food so um and that's, that's what it's all about for me. It's just to feed dogs for optimum health. You know, you only have one chance with your dog. Their lives mm. aren't long, right? Yeah. Um, and you, 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 for me, you know, it's your duty of care to do the best that you can. Um, information is power. Experience is power. So it's wonderful you did that, that experiment, as it were, with your doodle. It's mm. fascinating. But yeah, you know, for me, it's just common sense. But what I, you know, and I've, I've, I've been beaten up by vets, you know, actually, Joe. I mean, I've had to stand my ground um, mm. re- you know, recently in this modern age, you know, about wow. all sorts of things, you know, that I haven't spayed prudence, get that in the neck. I feed raw, get it in the neck. I mean, oh, really, wow. well, really rude um, to the level, you know, they just don't like me that i find wrong i find it judgmental i find it discriminatory um opinionated and it, it's a dreadful shame when i'm sure they did o-level biology well if they're around my age they would have done um where you clearly learn a dog is a carnivore and a dog hasn't changed in the last no, no
0: and that's the big thing in behavior the dog it has not is. changed at it's all it's, it's us that's changing
1: this is it so i think you know i think we've made our point joe i hope i
0: agree i think anna it's been amazing to, to to chat to you you know it's it's really nice to to reach out and, and speak to different people about these subjects in in such an informative way hopefully you know it gives the listeners lots and lots of food for thought pardon the pun um yeah. it'd be lovely to actually get you on i mean i'd really love to chat about i had a really negative experience with a uh, Trio uh, parasiticide that I gave my uh, lab Hogan. In fact, I nearly lost him from giving him that so i'd really love to chat pharmaceuticals and vaccination with you at some point we'll give you a breather for a while if you're happy to come back on at some point that would be amazing love to, come
1: on look joe i mean the thing is i i love to talk so um <laughs> I'm, I'm more than happy to do so so yes oh, fabulous. and I'd be honest, be vice versa we must arrange for you to come on to um a dog's life with anna webb streaming on all platforms little club oh amazing as um you know I'm very proud of um, my podcast it's quite eclectic and you know the range of people I speak to it's really with my aim to get people to understand that dogs are just so ingrained in our culture it's not just been this sudden boom in Instagram dogs have been drawn on cave paintings like you know for cave walls you know 40,000 years ago they've they are the essence of us this is the thing we've evolved epigenetically side by side and you know um
0: yeah so there's so that would be amazing i'd love to come chat to you and repay the favor that'd be really that would be really cool so yeah, we'll Great. sort that out. We'll thank it's you awesome. so much for today. um Do you want to just give a shout out, Anna, to where people? I mean, I, look, you're dead famous. So I'm sure you're dead easy to find. But do you want to say specifically? I know you've got your own um, Anna web website. Um, but oh, yeah. if people want to reach out to you um and the podcast, obviously, do you want to just give a quick plug to that so people know where they can come find you and listen to more? Okay. Yes. So the
1: podcast, thank you, is streaming on all platforms. So, um, and it's, um, it's a dog's life with Anna Webb. I think we're on episode 66 at the moment. Um, my website is annaweb.co.uk, and on
0: social media,
1: I'm at dogs.
0: Fabulous. That's amazing. Thank you so much for your very precious time. And we would love to have you back again at some point soon. And uh, we'll let you go for today so you can enjoy the afternoon with your dogs.
1: Thank you, Joe. Well, ditto. Thank you very, very much. and look forward to um, chatting again.